0: You're listening to SCGA Off the Hazel, the official podcast of the South Carolina Golf Association. Here are your hosts, Alan Knight and Biff Lathrop.
1: Hey, and welcome back to SCGA Off the Hazel live from the Country Club of Lexington. Is that right?
2: Country Club of Lexington. That's where we are, baby. That's Uh, what we're doing.
1: SCGA Junior Championship just wrapped up minutes ago.
2: Yeah, man, we had a uh, three great days out here. Mother Nature cooperated with us, and uh, the Country Club of Lexington Golf Course, Chris Devane, the superintendent, just did a fantastic job getting ready for us, considering all the cool weather we've had this spring. Yeah, look um, great. We had a had a great event and uh, just crowned our champion. Literally, like you said, about 20 minutes ago, Drew Jeffords out of Florence. Yeah, finished at six under par, took the championship. So uh, excited for Drew and all the all the players that accomplished what they did this week and. The top eight, they're going to make the junior Georgia, the South Carolina Georgia team matches coming up here at the end of July. We're going to be at Chessie Creek for that. What a treat that'll be!
1: Great golf course, and the kids this year can start earning some points and more points if they get a victory. I
2: mean, serious points. I mean, I think I just heard Justin say if uh, for for anybody that qualifies and wins, they get as many points as they get for winning the Jimmy Self. Yeah, event. that's big. So that's, that's pretty good. Pretty good little uh sweet spot for him to come play in so but uh, you know before this alan we've we've stayed busy the juniors have been really busy they had the uh the u.s junior qualifier on june the 5th uh daniel island uh, playing the Bearsford course for the u.s junior qualifier which by the way is where the u.s junior is going to be here in a few weeks right that's awesome so they're going to use both courses for the u.s junior but we had 88 players for four spots and uh, when it was all said and done uh rowan sullivan and davis neal from south carolina got two of the spots so we we're excited about having the charleston and north augusta boy in there Yep,
1: rolling past scga junior champion
2: yep. yep yep former champion that's right and then uh they rolled right from there they went up to the smithfields for the upstate junior uh which was june the 6th and 7th and they had 150 players up there and man there's just a two big old long days a, a lot of golf a lot of kids you've been you've seen yeah. that around you so you know what's going on over there
1: i was at the women's the WSCGA amateur yesterday at Fripp Island talking with a young man watching his sister play who played in that tournament at Smithfields, and he talked about how tough the greens were. They were They were yeah. firm and fast. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah that's what he do. Well, they when it was all said and done, we had a couple of champions when the girls in the 13- to 18-year-old division. Uh, Marissa Scaletta from Belton, South Carolina, shot 78-76, 154. Nice. Uh, got a three-shot victory there. And then I was real proud of this young man out of Aiken uh, in the boys' 13-18 division. Uh, his dad and I kind of grew up together, and okay. I've watched him kind of grow through junior golf here. But Richard Anaclario out of Aiken. Yeah. Uh, it took him a one-hole playoff, but he beat Casey Kinsey uh from Spartanburg with a total score of 145. Good for Richard. So uh, watched for Richard to kind of come through the whole process and it's been fun to watch and then like I said we just finished up our junior championship today and then also finishing up today is going to be our father-son championship which is going taking place at Greenville Country Club.
1: Both courses right? Both
2: courses, Chanticleer and Riverside. So they're yeah. uh, they're finishing up as we speak and we'll have those results the next time we get together. Yeah yeah. But as you know this is when it all gets going now baby. We uh we got Michael and McKee with the Juniors. Has got his player series coming up on June the 20th and 21st at Sherrill State Park, uh, and then we roll right. That's actually going on concurrently with our Grant Bennett Jr., which is going to be at Florence Country Club again. Yep. Um, huge field. I think Justin said we got 156 players for that event. Do you yeah, really? Three-day event. So we're we'll excited to get that one done. And then our South Carolina Golf Association runs into a Santee for the Lefty Righty.
1: Oh uh perennial class, perennial class. And
2: let me tell you what hey you remember a few years ago we were having to recruit lefties to try to fill that field we got 64 two-man teams I coming to
1: santee i don't doubt i'm trying. I'm still looking for a good left-hand partner <laughs> if anybody out there wants to play with a hack
2: uh and then we roll right from those lefty righties we get into amateur qualifying season you know getting yeah. ready our amateur is going to be at musgrove mill and we got one on the 26th of june at kusall creek uh we got one on the 29th of june at smithfields again And then we got one at Oak Hills, uh, the qualifier on July the 3rd. And then our fourth qualifier, uh, we had to, because of some unfortunate situations, we had to move to Ponderosa. So we're going to be at the Pondo for our fourth qualifier later on in July. So, yeah, just a busy time, a lot of things going on, and uh, excited about this episode we've got with uh, Thomas Mason. Tom Mason. Tom Mason's coming in, came into the house and talked to us for a little bit and told us all the ins and outs of his PGA career. And Uh, all the things he's done for junior golf and golf in general.
0: It's really been good. So we, we hope you enjoy the listen. Together, the South Carolina Golf Association, the South Carolina Junior Golf Association, and the South Carolina Junior Golf Foundation strive to promote, preserve, and grow the game of golf in South Carolina. Through a combined effort, each association and the foundation work to support amateur golf, junior golf, and grow the games initiatives throughout the state of South Carolina. Be sure to follow all three organizations on our social media handles for the latest and greatest updates and news. The My SCGA app is also a great way for all members to post scores, follow live scoring at SCGA Major Championships, and stay updated on all things SCGA. To follow live scoring of the SCJGA events, download the SCJGA app.
1: We are lucky now to welcome Mr. Tom Mason, a man who I never worked for, but I have considered a mentor, which is kind of strange. Tom, how are you?
3: I'm doing great, big A. How are you? We're
1: good. Thank you for joining us here, my man.
2: Tom, you've been around this thing for a long time, bud.
3: 30 some years now. Yes, right? Yeah. I started working for Clem when I was 20 years old and 52 now. So 32 years.
2: Let's go before that. How'd you get in Did You played junior golf? Did you, was it, yeah, where'd you grow up? Grew up in
3: Pennsylvania. North of Philly, uh, played junior golf growing up as a kid. Played basketball, played baseball, played everything, but uh, you know, took to golf. That was that was my sport. That was my choice, and came to college at South Carolina because I wanted to come where it was warm. Didn't play golf in college, <laughs> but you know, kept playing pretty much every day in college, just on my own, and just uh, kept on playing. And got into business when I was still in college, working for Clum. that Wildwood. that was
2: the first one? So I mean, you went right to just. Right, with
3: Clem over at Wildwood? Yep, I was actually, uh, I was actually doing something one day and playing, I think I was playing golf at Oak Hills, and one of the guys I was playing golf was, was like, hey, I heard the assistant at Wildwood's leaving, why don't you go over and talk to Clem, and, uh, Called Clem, went over there and talked to him, and he hired me. And I was at work about a week later, I think. Wow!
1: Did you yeah. graduate Carolina while you worked there? Graduate,
3: graduated car, Carolina in '93. Yep.
1: And stayed on at Wildwood.
3: Stayed on at Wildwood. Yeah, I basically worked my uh, junior the 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 summer after my junior year. I stayed down here and uh, worked that summer, and then worked through my senior year at Carolina and. The day I graduated, I graduated Carolina, and the next day I was at work full-time for Clem.
1: Jumped into the PGA program right away?
3: Right away, pretty much right away.
1: Back then, you did it while you worked. I mean, it was correct. your apprentice books, level one, level two, and you did all that under Clem. Correct, yes. Yeah. Pretty easy for you?
3: It was actually kind of a pain because it was (laughs) was easy. It was easy to get through, but I got into the PGA when they were transitioning from where you had two business schools you went to. Uh Uh-huh to a thing, they at the time they called it the GPTP, the Golf Professional Training Program. And I think my first school I had to go to Nashville. Yeah. And my second school I had to go to Philadelphia. Then I had to go to San Francisco for my third school. Wow. And then they had a, th- a final thing. They called the final experience, and I had to go back out to San Francisco for that. So, And then I still had to do a membership interview. They were still doing – remember the old membership interviews yeah. they used to do? Yeah. Then I had to go down to – John Winterhalter who was still at Sunset Country Club. He was in charge of the interview crew, and I still had to go do an interview at the for uh, the Carolinas PGA with John.
2: You had to do all that traveling on your own dime too,
3: I'm Pretty assuming. much, yep. Pretty Jeez, much. Yeah. man. Yeah, it was expensive
1: yeah the whole school was i mean oh yeah
3: it was it was like ten thousand dollars to do it then
1: and now they they everybody goes to florida
3: correct correct yeah Yep. yep. and i guess it'll transition to frisco texas is so, like, they, they, uh, so
2: they'll go to frisco and for a couple days a week or something i said it it a time? week at a
3: time and they i think they go twice two or three times wow Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I now, know do,
1: the, do the PGM students have to do all that?
3: The PGM students do not. They, okay. they basically do all the stuff, at, you know, at Clemson or at North Carolina State or Campbell or Methodist, wherever right. they're at. How long?
2: So, how long were you with? How long were you there at Wildwood?
3: So, I let's see. I started at Wildwood in '92, and I was at Wildwood till we opened up Wood Creek, which was '90 end of '97 or think, beginning of '98 yep. or something like yep. that. And then. Um, I was at Wood Creek for about a year and a half until I I got a job in Florida and moved to Florida. The Diamond Diamond Players Club. Yeah, yep, it was owned by a bunch Is that a golf of, course. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell some stories about the phone calls we used to get on that. But yeah, the uh, it was it was a golf course. It was owned by a bunch of major league baseball players. Hence okay. the baseball cool. diamond. Okay. But yes, we used to uh, when got got an opportunity to go down there. I was supposed to be the head pro. I was down there about three weeks. They asked me to be the general manager. Got to see a golf course built from day one, dirt pushed everything, got to help build a clubhouse. Wow. You name it, hire an entire staff. So I guess that was, so that would have been 2000. We did that. So kind of young in the golf career. And to say that, it was a heck of a learning experience.
2: I mean, he pushed you right. You didn't need to travel all those business schools and everything. You <laughs>
1: learned right there. I the learned spot. a lot right there, yeah. It's pretty common now for a superintendent or a golf professional to go into the general manager role, but back then, that was kind of probably one of the first ones. To... It
3: was, yeah, that's when the, the, the PGA of America was just starting to push the job diversification and, and you know the different career paths that you could take and... Um, like I said, I originally went down there to be the, the head pro, and they asked me to be the GM. So I learned a lot about the food and beverage business and a lot about the maintenance business and yeah. you know things I never really thought a whole lot about when I was <laughs> working for Clement Wildwood and Wood Creek. That's right. funny.
1: And then that wraps up, and you come back to Woodlands, is that correct?
3: Came back to Oak Hills Okay, for right. Ron. Yeah, Oak worked Hills. for Ron Stevenson over at Oak Hills for uh, three, three and a half years, and then yeah. over to the Woodlands from there.
1: And you, you were probably – pretty involved with the Carolinas PGA as soon as you came back. Because I did a PAT at Oak Hills, and you squeegeed the green when we had rain. Oh,
3: yeah, that was bad. That was uh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. It dumped that whole time. We were out there with squeegees. Right. and
1: between – I mean, yeah, trying yep. to get it in.
3: But, no, as soon as I got back, um, before I left, I wasn't overly involved with the South Carolina PGA or Carolinas PGA. But when I got back, you know, Ron was a past president. Yeah. And, of course, Clem had served on the board and things like that. And, you know, both of those guys got me involved. So –
1: I may be wrong in saying this but I feel like the SCPGA is you kept it going for many years.
3: Yeah, I think I guess Clem King and I kind of kept that thing going for about 10-12 years. Right. So, yeah.
1: And have you passed that on to somebody?
3: Well, it's it's all a little different right now. Now the now there's not really a SCPGA chapter. Okay. You know, the, the Carolinas PGA basically took 10 geographical regions and made those into the new chapters okay and um so now they elect a chapter director at each level for a 2 year term and but you know we used to have a 12 13 term in a year schedule yeah right and unfortunately that doesn't exist anymore yeah
2: well I, while we're on that subject right now you know you and I, Tom just captained his uh Carolina's PGA team in our Palmetto Cup yeah. matches just a couple of weeks ago <clears throat> and um it, the, the 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 job has changed so much with these pros now. I and mean, they don't have the opportunity, time wise, to go out and play like they used to. I mean, it's it's they're they're working all the time.
3: Well, especially with the advent of COVID, with right. uh, you know all the the new golfers coming in, they're even busier. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, the days of the old school pros that used to go out and play with the members on a regular basis right. and had somebody else to handle all that other stuff. They're they're heck, they're doing all that and, and they're becoming GMS and everything else now. So it's uh, it's a whole different.
3: It's it's different when we used to do the Palmetto Cups 10, 15 years ago. You know, we'd have a points list from all the South Carolina yes. PGA events. And to we make the that, team, yeah, and that's who made the team. And now it's like, you know, poor Clem the other day. Uh, I mean, you know, he's calling people and right. begging people to play in this thing and yeah. we get all the way down to the day before he's like man you need to bring your clubs I go well, am I going to be the first ever playing captain you know he's like we, we, we might have someone back out so.
2: we, well we did we had one, one guy played on Sunday and we had another guy take his spot on Monday it was yeah. already pre yep. So, but yeah it's a whole whole another ball game well kudos to y'all on, on, on trying to keep that going for as long as you had I mean it's uh... so working with Clem let's get back with Clem first because I mean Clem has Clem's been on, the more, on one of our podcasts yeah. before and uh he's a legend, man. I mean, it, it's what an opportunity to learn from one of the greatest out there.
3: Very fortunate. Yeah. I, he uh, Clem dots every I and crosses every T, every t yeah. and sometimes he does it four times. <laughs> and then he doesn't just do it once every now and then. Sometimes he does it four times. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, uh, I always considered myself very fortunate because Clem showed me how to mark a golf course. Clem showed me how to pick up trash on the way down the walkway if it was laying there. Yep. Clem showed me how to run a tournament right. Clem, you know, there, there's nothing that that man didn't do to help me succeed. And you know, there's a lot of guys. You take fellows that get in the golf business in Myrtle Beach. There's a lot of them that just sit behind the counter and yeah. you know all they're doing is collecting money and sending people out to a retired guy on the first tee to start them. You know, when I worked for Clem, we used to stand on the first tee every Saturday and Sunday morning and start yeah. people. And then have to go ranger, do whatever.
2: Yeah, yeah. Ron, Big Pro's not in the not in the business as much anymore, but uh, he has certainly had a passion for golf and what he was doing, and loved
3: doing it. He was Ron was awesome, and I mean, he you know he did everything at the club. He would mow grass, he would fertilize greens, he would you you name it, he would do it. And you know, he owned both Oak Hills and Coldstream at the time, yep. and he pretty much let me do my thing over at Oak Hills, but. You know, Ron was instrumental in getting me involved with the Carolina's PGA. He was the one that encouraged me to run for the board position way back when. And But, you know, just a, a another guy that was well-connected and, and just would point you in the right direction every day.
2: Big Pro went on a couple – we used to do this mountain trip up to Mount Mitchell, and Big Pro would come on that, and, boy, we would have a big time with that thing. He'd, <laughs> he was he was a funny guy. So um, that's neat. Two, two great mentors you had there. Yep, yeah, and
1: then you go to the Woodlands. Correct. And work for miss Ken McCarthy.
3: Ken McCarthy, yes, sir.
1: How he seemed like a character.
3: Ken was Ken was awesome. So those of you that don't know the background on Ken, Ken was uh, Dave Thomas's yacht captain
1: from Wendy's. That Dave correct, Thomas. Dave Thomas from Wendy's. Yes. yes.
3: So Dave Thomas actually, I guess the way the story goes is he was up at some event in Ohio, which is where he was from. Yep. And he was on a boat, or he they were on a. They were somebody was coming on to Ken uh to Dave's boat, whether it was the governor of Ohio or whoever it was, and I guess this fellow came on and said, you know, well, hey Dave, what's one of these yachts like this? Just out of curiosity, what's it cost? And I guess Dave looked at the guy and said, Well, what do you got? <laughs> and the way Ken tells the story, I guess the next day, Ken and Dave hopped on a plane, flew to Columbia, took a I think he said he took a cab over from the airport to the woodlands. <laughs> Drove around the front nine, got back on the plane, and went back up there to, to Ohio. Met the guy, and I guess th- this is the guy that developed the Woodlands. I don't know who he was. couldn't tell you his name. And um, I guess from there, a deal transpired. I, I think the guy threw in the golf course and maybe something else. And wow. There was a switch made, and I guess Dave looked at Ken and said, you staying with him with this guy or are you coming with me? And Ken said, well, I don't know anything about running a golf course. Right. Dave goes, We well, better learn if you're coming with me. And I, I guess Ken figured out that he was with a good guy right there and he yeah. stuck with Dave and came down. And I guess Mike Adams was the head pro yep. and yep. um Ken came down and I guess took over quote the GM operations wow. of the club. And so it was Mike and Ken running the woodlands for years. I don't think I'd ever heard that story. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: And and did Wendy live out there, is that true? She did, yes. Yeah.
3: Yep. I, I don't ever remember. I wasn't working you never out met when she was there. Yeah, but okay. she did live out there.
1: So there was a w- true Wendy.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently it was the house, if you're on number 10, 11, 12, back to the left. I think she lived in that one, okay. right back to the left of the T there. And Ken
2: was from Australia?
3: Ken's from Australia, yes. Boy, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. he, oh, yeah, he, yeah, he had a thick accent, too. He was he to talk Yep, he had – he was – Ken was awesome. The One of the first days I was working for Ken, this guy came in. He was barking and complaining about something, and – if you were ever at the Woodlands, you had the, you kind of had the counter. And then behind the counter, you had the offices there. And this guy's barking. I'm, I'm there probably a week or so. And this guy's just barking at me about something. I forget, the greens or something. And all of a sudden, Ken comes around the corner, and he looks at it. He goes, Bob. I suggest if you don't like it here, you go try Wildwood. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, wow. There you go. That's how he handle it. That's pretty good. He handled it well.
1: So, yeah, But Ken ended up being the owner of the golf course eventually, Correct. didn't
3: he? yes, he did. So Woodlands got sold to Granite Golf when, okay. when Dave passed away, I believe. Okay. And then I guess it went through bankruptcy, and then the Dave Thomas Foundation bought it out of bankruptcy. And, yeah, that's mm-hmm. – Interesting. Wow. Yeah. I
1: and mean, he ended incredible. up selling it. Yeah, he's sold it. To the it. owners like, now?
3: Yeah, I guess about, what, eight, seven, eight years ago. Yeah.
2: yeah. So how long were you at the Woodlands?
3: Eight years. Okay. Eight years Gosh, or Gosh, so. I can't believe it was yeah. that long.
2: I know we did a lot of events. I'll never forget, we did a U.S. Senior Am Qualifier, I believe it was, at your at the Woodlands when you were there. And we had tee times all day long. And we got the first group, got to number nine, and all of a sudden it dumped. I mean, it rained and rained, and it kept on raining, and we had so much golf to get in, and... Tom and I got all the guys up top together. I said, All right, boys, here's what we're going to do. The ones on the golf course are going to start where you are. The ones that aren't on the golf course, you're going to start on 10. You're going to start on 11. We did a shotgun on I said, If any of you make it to the Championship! Don't tell the USGA we just shotgun. <laughs> Tom and I were like, "We gotta get it done." Yeah, we had to get it we done. Gotta
1: get it yeah. done. So I just had a memory, and Biff, I think you'll remember this too. We'll leave the player's name out of it, but we were at the Woodlands doing a US Mid-Am qualifier, and this player hooked it left off of number one. In the maintenance building, right there. Yeah, off? right on the left there. He was up against the fence and had to get on his knees to try and hit it. And I was like, "This guy's got no chance." Did I mean, not qualify. No, <laughs> no. But I will say this, Tom. Coming from the the administration, when when we show up to your facility to run a golf tournament, it was always a pleasure working with people like you and Clem. And you, you would open up the doors where we had free run of the place. Anything we needed, you let you know you'd help us out. So kudos and thank you for being a good host. And learned it from
3: Clem once again. That's who I give the credit to.
1: I know, I know. And
2: Clem's still doing it too over yeah. there at Wood Creek, yeah. back yeah. at Wood Creek in Circle. Yeah, um, working hard so you ran your time through the woodlands and then tell us about your 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 next and current and future venture that you're in right now
3: yep so uh i'm sitting at the woodlands one day and my cell phone rings this guy says hey i heard you'd like to buy a driving range (laughs) (laughs) yeah sure who's this and i i it's just a random phone call the guy says well there's a there's a driving range in Columbia for sale. Are you interested in buying? It? I go, yeah, sure. Which one is it? You know, and I, that's kind of I was talking to the yeah. guy. Because at the
2: time there were multiple. Yeah, ranges. at the
3: time you had you had you know Jimmy had his range. Yep. You had the the one in Chapin. You had the one on the river. You know, so the ranges. Garner's Ferry. Yeah, Garner's Ferry. There's ranges all over. And I goes, well, it's it's kind of a little bit of a secret, but uh, you know the, this ranges, and he starts giving a description. I go So the party. He goes, well how'd you know that I go well I've only been in the golf business for <laughs> 20 years you know I, th- I think I know what I'm talking about and so long story short I, I get hooked up with Dan Gensimer who owned the driving range and um, I guess at the time Dan was pushing 71 72 years old he had been doing it for 20 years he had to party from inception he actually had to land over by the airport to buy to build a driving range over there and the FAA told him he was too co- close to where the planes were coming in. And I guess the county of Lexington had sold him the land or something. So they were covering the landfill up over there. So Dan went over there and built the range. And he owned it for 20 years. And um, the opportunity came up. Everything fell into place the way I needed it to. And next thing I know, I was a driving range owner at the Par T golf center in West Columbia. Wow.
1: But that's such a change from everything you'd ever done.
3: It was, Alan, it was, it was totally night and day different and you know it's i always i always kind of wanted to own a driving range i was when i was a kid growing up my best friend and i in pennsylvania we would go to the driving range all the time and we him and i talked about owning a range together you know and at the time I was like man we could do a bar and a driving range you call it drink and drive you know you know you we know we're like you can't do that you can't name stuff like that anymore nowadays uh, you know? we could steal that idea yeah. i I'd want to open something yeah but you know it's uh i always I always figured i'd like to do that and i've always enjoyed the teaching part of golf um, i was never quote your quintessential teaching pro that just did lessons all the time but i always enjoyed helping people out and Everything fell into place. We got everything zipped up, bought it, and next thing I know, I'm a I'm I'm ten cup, you know. And um,
1: I'll tell you what what resonates with me. And this is shortly after you took over. This was you might have been still in that same building. You've moved buildings somewhere now. So we know. I worked at Columbia Country Club. I know those members. We know a bunch of members around town. We know the players that played in all the SCJ tournaments. But something that stuck with me. I went out there to see you one day, and you said, "You wouldn't believe the people that come out here that we've never seen, that we've never touched, so to speak." You know, somebody showing up and cut off camo shorts hitting drivers, or
3: oh, it, well, it's 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 a totally different audience, and you know the the best way I termed it, I had an older gentleman, his name was Terry Mullaney. Terry was a member at Columbia Country Club, lived in Chapin. He'd go from Chapin to Columbia Country Club every day. Then he'd come over to my range and hit balls and go home. I was like, Terry, you're just trying to stay away from your wife, you know. And <laughs> he's like, oh no, no, no. And he he'd come there every day. And in fact, the first day I bought the place, I was cleaning out the old double wide trailer. Right. And he walks up, and I got stuff thrown everywhere. I got the dumpster. And he turns, around, he looks at me, and he goes, "Did Dan die?" <laughs> you know. And I just I just started laughing. I go, "No," you know. And I'm the, I'm Tom. I'm the new owner. Blah blah. And so he walks in one day and in like, I don't know, March, April, the first year I owned it. And he goes, how do you like it here? Terry, it's great. I said, no one complains about slow play. Right. No one complains about bad bunkers. No one complains about Alan Knight's handicap being too high. <laughs> no one complains about Biff Lathrop's group being too slow on the golf course. Like right. people come up, they say, please, thank you. They get their golf balls, they go hit them.
1: And they're gone. I, and they're gone.
3: You Might know? buy a drink or two. And then they come back the next day and, you know, the, the – diversity of the people you get out there you get the guy that's like i'll give you a, for instance tim Teaster hits balls in my range a bunch you know, tim's a great player yeah uh, he's out there you know he works for dominion he's down there he comes out and hits balls at my range and i get play, i get guys that are fantastic players and then you turn around and i get the college students coming out from usc you know and the guy's out there with his girlfriend and you know, he walks out there with his bag, and he pulls his driver out. And the first swing, he corkscrews himself in the ground. You know, <laughs> trying to impress his girlfriend with how far he can hit it. Yeah. You know, but you get a you get you get everything. It's a you walk out at my range any time of the day. You got male, female. You got everyone. Tell,
2: tell the rest of that story about Terry. What he told you when you uh, got ready to put your putting green in? No, oh,
3: I, I can't drop an F bomb. No, nope. but yeah, no, Terry. So we. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Cannell comes over to help me build a little putting green because there was never a putting green out there, and um, the one that there is today, the right? one right outside, yeah, right outside yeah. the shop now, and um, we're out there coring out the putting green, and we can only go so far down because you can only dig so far in the landfill. And Terry walks in the door and one day, he goes, um, "What's?" Uh, he turns and points out to the putting green, goes, "What's going on out here?" I go, oh, Terry, we're putting in a little chipping and putting green, so when you're done. You know, you can, you can go out there and chip and putt after you've done hitting balls. Before you hitting balls, he goes, looks at me, he goes, stupid blanket thing <laughs> you could ever do. And he hands me his $10 for his bucket, turns around and walks out the door, and I stood there for a second. I'm like, whoa, 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 Terry, what, whoa, what are you talking about? He turns around, he points his finger at me, he goes, someone Will complain that the green is too slow. Oh, wow. He goes, "You just bought a, re- you just built a reason for people to complain," and I just started laughing. I go, "Ah, yeah, you got a point there, Terry." But <laughs> That's well, so what, funny.
1: what did Terry say when you started building the other parts? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well,
3: that was already built when I bought it. The, the USC's part was there.
1: Well, but but you've expanded
3: it, haven't you? Oh yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah, we have a bunch. We've um, the three hole loop. That's no. Well, the three hole loop was USC's old practice area, which okay. was there before. Okay. I bought the place. Yeah, but we. We turned that into a little three-hole loop, and then we've actually gone over on that side. USC used to have their own tee box they used to hit off of before they built their practice facility. The coop. Yeah, the coop. And we've actually added – so there was about, I don't know, 15, 20 spots you could hit off of their tee box. Right. We've actually added about 35 more spots over on that side, so the range is kind of about half circle now.
1: Oh, yeah. So is that on the other side of the berm? Correct, on yeah. the other side of the berm, yeah. The, that Tom used to host us, and you may still host, the uh, drive, chip, and putt.
3: Yep, we had, we just had it uh, last Saturday. Okay, two Saturdays ago. Two Saturdays, two Saturdays ago. ago yeah. yeah, that's the
1: perfect place for it out there.
3: It's it's fantastic. They they hit their drive, turn around, hit their chip in the putt, and the putt yeah. in green, and they go.
1: Yeah, oh. it's awesome. And you, I know you do. You used to host the foundation's SCJGF long drive, but you still do some long drive stuff, right?
3: Yeah, we've had everything out there. So back the first couple of years, I owned it. There was a kid running around. He's a guy, you know, I call him a kid. He was a kid back then, but a guy named Patrick Hopper. Yep patrick did long drive and as you know i was still in old blue building and patrick walks in one day he goes hey my name's patrick hopper i I do long drive stuff i just go down to this end of your range just want to let you know i hit him over there like okay whatever dude you know yeah i'm like (laughs) i've never watched a whole lot of long drive i heard a you know a couple guys and
1: right jason zubak yeah Yeah. (laughs) zubak and yeah
3: whoever and I walk out and I start walking down the range and pick up buckets and I see this dude swing. And if you ever, if you ever seen Patrick, he kind of looks like John Cena. You know, he's a big dude. Okay. This club comes all the way around, points all the way back down to the ground. And he's, I'm like, oh my God, did that guy just swing like that? <laughs> so I start inching my way down the range, picking up buckets, talking to people. And I get down there and he swings at like four balls. And I finally, I look at him I go, where are your golf balls going, man? I, I couldn't even see them. You know, he goes. We well, got to look up when I hit them. They launch really high, so he's hitting like this four degree driver, and this ball's just humming off. It, my range balls are just like <laughs> taking a spanking, and it's yeah. just flying out there. I'm like, oh my god, this is nuts. So Patrick got me hooked up with this fellow from the upstate, Matt Ellenberg, who does some long drive stuff, and we ended up starting to host a few. They call them the East Coast Classic, and we did a few of those. And then the Golf Channel bought Long Drive. Um, and we had a couple long drive events out there where we had 16 18 of the top 20 guys in the ah, world out right. there hitting balls and you know i it's it's crazy it's uh, unfortunately i don't think the sport will ever make it cuz it's not a spectator sport right. yeah. it's really hard to watch right and that's why they do it at night and do them on the track mans and things like that and but i mean when you get 100 guys out there swinging at a golf ball as hard as they can possibly possibly swing right. at it we had a grid that was four hundred and sixty yards. That's how long the grid was. And one of the guys hit two balls off the back of the grid. it. it's amazing. Yeah. Four hundred and sixty yards. Now, they also when they got done, they had balls down that right side of my range over there in that yeah. gully. I mean, they were halfway to the dump <laughs> down there, you know, but it's uh it's but yeah, we're actually they they so long drive kinda went away during COVID. Okay. The golf channel got rid of it. Um there are a couple groups that have started up. Quote long drive events again, right?
1: Um, what, what did De Sambo take part in?
3: He took part in one of the groups that um, a couple of the long drive guys and another fell that's big in the long drive. They put together. I think they call it, they're called the World Long Drive Association the okay. D- or the PLDA, the Players Long Drive Association or something like that. They've kind of reconvened. Then there's another group called XLD, Extreme Long Drive or Ultimate Long Drive. And they are actually hosting their world championships at the party in October. Oh, nice! Really? Yeah. So they are doing. They're a little different. They do a professional division, but they also do a kids division. They have different age groups. They do an adaptive division. You know, for guys, amputees, things like that. That's
1: smart. That makes it interactive. And
3: yeah, it's it's going to be five days. Oh, wow! Five days. So they're they're bringing in bleachers, setting up the whole thing. They. I don't think they live televise it, but they like live stream it yeah. and a TV production and all that. So, you know, hopefully we'll have some of the big hitters in then.
1: Do you have to pay to host that?
3: Uh, no, they're. they. Okay. No.
1: I know if you had to put 20 grand up front to say, please, yeah. please come. <laughs> no. Okay. He's not doing that.
2: No. He but would. You know, along with doing that, I mean, you, you do a lot of demo days and things out there too,
3: don't you? Yep. Yeah, well, we do, you know, we do the demo days. We uh, we used to have the big one with Kusa, but yeah. you know, once again, during COVID, things changed that things changed and that was such
1: an event man oh it was was huge i know
3: we'd we'd get like a thousand people come through there Uh, parking
1: was the problem then yeah
3: oh yeah we parking them at heck they were parking at the the water tower up there you know (laughs) i mean but uh no i mean it's we do we do demo days we do we still do individual demo days but you know the days of the 10 vendor demo days are gone
1: you had more than 10 out there. There was food. We We cooked food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah.
2: I mean, I've always said, and this is <clears throat> since COVID, I guess, particularly, but I've always said Tom and the Partee Golf Center was kind of like the barometer of golf around the Columbia area, at least, because if he's got all these people coming out there beating balls and beating balls, beating balls, and golf is doing pretty darn good. And I, I know, Tom, and you can come over here, and, and we get some clubs that are donated to us at times, and we try to give away, but some, there's only so many we can give away, and He'll come get a stack of them, take them over there, and he'll he'll give them yep. away over there at the driving range.
3: We've we've given since COVID hit. We've given about ninety sets of donated clubs away, and people that hit balls at my range heard that we were giving them to college kids and all that, and they'll literally bring their clubs into me now if they need a new set of grips on. I'll put a little cheap set of grips on them or something. But we've given about 90 sets away. I've had about eight kids that brought them back to me, college kids, bring them back to me and say, thank you, I got another set, you know, yeah. and pass them along that's, to somewhere else. Really cool. Yeah, so it's it's pretty neat.
1: What about your agronomy mm-hmm. expertise? You're taking care. I'm, I know you get consulting help from Jeff Cannell and anybody else who mm-hmm. you'll listen to, but are you applying fungicides and herbicides in that tea box yep. you're doing. I know you do the all. I do all that, yeah. Right. Jeff,
3: Jeff's kind of walked me through all that and – Yeah, so, you know, most of the stuff I do is just spreading fertilizer. And, you know, luckily I don't have a whole lot of problem with having to spread fungicides or insecticides or stuff like that. You know, most of it's easy stuff to do. And you've been
2: at this range for 10 years now, right? And so, Uh obviously, he he knew a lot before he got there, right? Yeah. We were just talking right before this, and he learned about pumps. He's learned about pumps in the last couple days. I heard those aren't fun.
3: (laughs) We'll have to get into detail,
2: boy, he's learned about some pumps.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so the the putt putt, we had pumps on there that pump the waterfalls and all that. And, you know, one day you go to turn them on, it doesn't work. Right. So you got this pump sitting in water that is a sewage pump, Um. you know, pumping water up the hill for the water features. So, full disclaimer on this when we redid the putt putt, I wanted to concrete the ponds in yeah. because the ponds are self-contained. There's no drainage on them. Right. I wanted to concrete the ponds in and put picnic tables out there. Palmer said no. And I got denied by everyone, and everyone said, <laughs> absolutely not, you got to keep the water features going, right? Yeah. I said, fair enough, but next time they go bad, I'm not cleaning the pond out. You are, because you literally – Get, you know, think about it. We're right there on the Charleston Highway. You get dust blown all over when it gets windy, gets in the water. I mean, when we cleaned the ponds out, we probably took a foot of mud out of them. Right? Wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. A foot of just, just crap out of them. Silt. So yeah. even though the, the sewage pumps running all the time, you still get all that junk in there. So you got to clean them out. So it's fine. Next time the pumps go bad, I'm not scooping all the crap out of the <laughs> pond. You right. guys are. So we're out there with shovels. So two of the pumps went bad. Yeah. It's time to pull them, right? And So it's only been like two and a half years, and these things aren't cheap. Right. And my son's home from college, and <laughs> him and a couple of the boys that work for me are out there <laughs> scooping the ponds out right well, now, you know? So, But I ended up getting some different pumps, and we're going to try some new ones now. So I had an hour-long conversation with a gentleman in Somerville, and we'll see what happens.
1: And Palmer somewhat spearheaded that project, did he not? Palmer,
3: yeah. Palmer and Chaney-Cannell helped with it. and some of, the other, some of my other junior golfers, Elliot, Spencer, all those guys. And for those
2: who don't know, Palmer is Tom's oldest child. And then we also got Bailey. Bailey, yep. Bailey um, just
3: graduated high school yesterday. Yep. Wow. So
2: Palmer's been a big part of what you've done over at PARTY. Palmer's yep. a junior golfer of ours and yep. graduated college quickly. Uh, yep. So it's uh, Palmer's been around for a long time. Yep. But Palmer went down there and pretty much put that.
3: They ripped. So I told them when – I could have I'll be honest, I could have cared less about having the putt-putt open. It needed to be redone. They ripped every piece of living vegetation out of it, uh, which it looked like a jungle. Yeah. Other than the palm trees. I told them they could keep the palm trees. They took all the carpet up. They got a machine that sanded the concrete basically. They ran it over that. They picked every brick up and reset it and put it down around the you know around the outside of the 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 holes. They wow. did all that, and then we had a fellow come in. I bought the turf, and I had a fellow come in, and he was from Memphis, Tennessee, came in and put the turf down because we tried to put some turf down. Yeah, tough. Didn't, didn't take well. Yeah. <laughs> they they literally take these big rolls of AstroTurf and put them out and then carve it out. And okay, it's, I'm not patient enough to no, do that. No, I'm with right. you. Yeah. It's
2: kind of like painting. I don't paint, either. yeah, I don't paint either. But um.
1: <laughs> all right, let's talk about. PGA Servitude and PGA Junior League a little bit. Okay. You're very active in the Junior PGA Junior League.
3: Yeah, so you know, once again PGA Junior League was started back in, I think it was my first year owning the range, 2013. Okay. Um, go to the annual meeting and um, they they have this big push to do the PGA Junior League. And I'm not going to lie to you, I kind of threw it off to the side and got home and one of the fellows that was with The group that was doing PGA Junior League, because the PGA did not own PGA Junior League at that time. Yeah, one of the fellas that that had started, the guy that started his name was actually Bob Longmire. And Bob started it, and then he kind of got it running for the PGA. And then the PGA bought PGA Junior League from Bob probably four years later, three or four years later. But one of the fellas just kept calling me. He's like, man, you need to do this. You need to do this. And at the time, my son was young. My daughter was young. They were juniors started to play golf and I'm like you know what what the heck I'll do it so we threw a team of about 12 kids together Bronson Myers was on it
1: Jensen Parks Huda no,
3: Parks uh, Parks and Matthew weren't on the team yet okay. um, it was it was Palmer a uh, Trace McDonald Bill McDonald's boy was on yep. there Logan Biggers um, I'm trying to think who else but we had we had a team uh, kid named Brandon Rucker Travis Campbell I think was on the team then. So we had, we had these 12 kids, and we go show up for our first match, and the team we play has like three kids. I'm like, oh, this is stupid. We go to the second match, and it was the team that we showed up had like four kids. So we end up, we were playing in a league. We had Fort Jackson in the league, Northwoods, Lexington, and us in the league, and we end up doing an all-star team. and. I take the kids down to St. Augustine, Florida, um, myself and Kemp Hooper. Kemp was helping me coach it. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if that was. Yeah. So good. <laughs> yeah. So we, we take the team down there, and, and they do okay. They do pretty good. They finish second. And while I was down there, I was talking to this fellow from Georgia. And I was like, Yeah, you know, I really enjoyed doing it. But, you know, you show up. He goes, Man, you need to do your own league. Don't worry about other teams. Do your own league. I go, What are you talking about? He goes, You need to do one league, get all the kids under your umbrella put them together, make sure they play a match every time, make sure they're not just standing around. So we end up – the next year we end up doing our own in-house league and we had like 42 kids in it. Um, and we play our own matches against each other. And we had – you know, you do the all-star teams at the end of the year. And worked out good. And we took the team, I think so that was 2014, I guess, and, and we took that team to the – regional finals or whatever they called it in tennessee and we we lost by a basically one hole oh wow yeah it was pretty close we had you know bronson Isabel raw was on that team wow. the huddo boys were on the team parks and matthew were on it palmer um ford reynolds yeah jalen um or no i guess izzy was on that team jalen was on the next one but we you know we'd make it all the way there and we we lost and the team from Tennessee beat us, and they went. So next year, these kids were kind of motivated. So that was 2015, and we put another – all we did our regular season. We put our all-star team together and took that team to the national championship that year. But, um, you know, we've had, we've had a lot of success with it. It's been – in my book, it's probably the best growth of the game program that junior golf has ever seen, and it's – Got a lot of kids into golf. I actually went back on the rosters not too long ago and counted up. I think it was forty three kids that we have that went through that junior program that are either have played, are playing, or assigned to play junior or college, college golf. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, now you do. So.
1: You do a good job, and I help. I help with some marketing of some clubs around here, and both the clubs are. there. you know, it's contact Tom Mason, PJ yeah. Junior League, uh, yep. and and I know Chase Butler still help you there. Chase
3: is still Chase. Chase Steven, you know, Chris yeah. Sparrow helps with it. Um, the the thing for me is I don't have a golf course. Right. So the thing that I can help the other pros with is they're so busy doing other stuff. They can help me a little bit and I can organize the matches or Chase can organize the matches, right. the two of us can organize it and go to the club and make it work.
1: I enjoy whenever I pop out somewhere and y'all are there and it's just I'm not going to call it a madhouse, but there's 40. It feels like 100 kids. There's,
3: you know, if we have 40 kids out there, the thing that's incredible is there's probably 40 golf carts on the golf course too. Right. You know, so the parents are renting golf carts and driving around out there. And that's one of the thing I've always said with Junior League is it's, yeah, it's great for golf, but, man, building friendships for these kids, you know, hanging out together and things like that, they, they all do that too.
1: And what I like because my youngest son did it for what half season or so and you would offer even when you're not playing come on out the party they did some free instruction just yeah
3: yeah we do some little clinics with get it golf it things ready, like that yeah,
2: yeah. Yep. well let's take while we're talking about development because you know we're talking about juniors and going to play college golf you're <laughs> with the other many things that you have keeping your time busy you also coach at columbia college is that correct, correct.
3: yep yep so I'm on year – so I just got down to year six, I think. <laughs> going on well, to year seven.
2: Boys and
1: girls or just girls?
3: Yeah, so it started with females only. Yeah. Uh, two years ago they went to co-ed, co-ed school over Columbia College. Okay. Uh, and we started up a boys team. We got going late in the season, so we just had a few. But, um, yeah, have been doing that. It's um, – you know, I got I got a phone call. James Morrison Yeah. was the tennis coach over there.
1: He's a competing coach in Sumpter now. He is, yep. He the fire ants.
3: Yep, James is the fire ants coach now. But James <laughs> calls me up. He goes, "Hey man, how do you like to coach the girls' team over here at Columbia College?" I go, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "Look, just come over and talk to us. Come over and talk to the AD and I." I'm like, "Okay." So I went over and talked to him, and I was like, "Yeah, this this be pretty cool. This be a neat this be a neat thing." And actually, I was the day I went over and talked to Kelly Ann who was our AD at the time. I was getting ready to go caddy for Smith Knafel. At the u.s junior girls up in st louis um and i'm like look when i get back you know i'll, I'll let you know." i was out the door like five minutes and she calls me she goes just let us know what we need to do to make you the coach and so i've been been doing the teams over there you know we, we started the boys team we got we got the the women's team the men's team so it's just been a lot of fun
1: that's and awesome it's rewarding and frustrating i would assume correct
3: it's a little bit of both, yeah. Yeah, it and not, is not because of the you kids, but now it's well, it's it's both. It's, yeah. the boys are really easy. Okay, boys want to get out there and go to town and, and go. You know, and you can go find a lot of boys to play golf. The 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 women and I, a lot of schools in our conference are having the problem. You know, and you guys know this being involved with junior golf and if you're not really like that high level D1 player or maybe sneaking down to like an Anderson college type place yeah. or somewhere like that once you get down below that it's it's hard to find kids that want to continue to compete in golf right and it's it's not that they don't want to continue to play golf but to try to keep them competing and practicing and, and whatever it, it gets tough the but there's you know there are it's it's Tough dealing with their class schedules. Tough dealing with, especially like at a school like Columbia College, we don't have block scheduling. Okay, you know, so the, I might have a kid that has a class at eight o'clock, twelve o'clock, and five o'clock that day. Right. You know, well, luckily I own a driving range, and they can come out. and They can work on their short game in the par three area, and they can hit balls and. Well, that's where a lot of girls kind whatever. of learn to play isn't yeah. it, yeah, or
1: not learn, but I mean, yeah, really crafted their ability.
3: Absolutely. So you know, it's it's just, you know, I. I I'm lucky that I have that set up cuz yeah if you're going to places and you're trying to get 12 kids on the golf course at three different times during the day, you know what that's like right now. Well, right. Yeah.
2: Well, it just goes to show again with your PGA background, Caroline's PGA and and I mean, the heart of everything that we're all trying to do is grow the game right now. I mean, you—you you got the junior league going. You got the Columbia College teams that you coach. You got the kids that are coming out of the driving range that you're giving clubs to, to to motivate them to play, which might lead to why the Carolinas PGA in 2017 you won the Youth Player Development Award. Correct. And then in uh, 2018, the Player Development Award. And wouldn't you know, in 2019, you got the Big Daddy.
3: Yeah, that was that was a great phone call. That pro of the year,
2: golf professional of the year, yeah. Carolina's PGA. That's yeah. incredible.
3: That was uh, no, it was it was. I I tell people anytime they ask me, you know, Bob Burns called me and I think it was Bob. It was either Bob or or Paige, I forget which one it was. Bob, I think, called me and said, you know, I'd won, and I was like, hmm, you know, you just you don't even know what to say, right? Because it's such a humbling phone call to get and. It's uh you know when when you're you're nominated by your peers, you so su- you send in a submission and then a committee votes on it. And luckily in twenty nineteen got that honor and pretty cool honor. Well, I tell you I
2: I got I had the honor of being at the dinner that night when you got presented the award and it was uh it was incredible to see the support that you had from your peers that that were up there, and uh, all the friendships and everything you've created and uh, well deserved. I just think that's just one of the coolest things we were part of up there. Yep, no,
1: I was, guess that's okay.
3: That <laughs> no, was it was neat. I, I actually they 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 called me. It was the day after Thanksgiving, I believe, and then we were getting ready to go to the Pro Pro, and um, they announced it that day. And I was driving up to the Pro Pro in Pinehurst, and you know how you go through that. I don't know. I'd go through that little dead area, like, past Shara. Yep, right. yep. I wasn't really paying attention to my phone, just kind of driving along. Well, I, I got up to so Pinehurst, I only got 121 text messages, <laughs> you know, from people congratulating me. Wow. It, was, it was pretty special, pretty cool.
1: And I think we. it's worth mentioning that your wife, Jill own uh, co-owns a palmetto shop and they're an original sponsor of this podcast so mm-hmm. thank you for being married to jill
3: yeah <laughs> she's put up with me for 26 say, years so kudos to jill she uh and she's down there running the shop every day and it's uh it's we, we're staying busy let's put it that way yeah
1: no, she's great to work with uh, if you need anything i suggest you go <laughs> Anything embroidered. <laughs> <Broidery> or... <laughs> screen printing. Yeah. Anything else yeah, you a... need. Hit some balls
3: at Tom's. They'll have it ready by the yeah, time you get it's done. It's only five miles down the road. You can <laughs> run down there and go see my wife.
2: Speaking of family, so we talked about Palmer and Bailey. Palmer came through and played Arlevar Junior Golf. He played a little bit at uh, Charleston Southern?
3: He still does. So okay. Palmer went into college with 45 credit hours out of high school. Wow. Um, yeah, and he's – I'm not real sure. I haven't figured out if he's cheating really well to <laughs> get the good grades or how he's doing it, but he uh, he graduated college in two and a half years. He's actually doing grad school at Charleston Southern right now, and he's got one year left to play down there. So he'll be finishing up playing down there. And then my daughter Bailey graduated from Dutch Fork yesterday, and she is headed to culinary school. We checked out several of them, but she decided she wanted to go to Horry Georgetown Tech, has a culinary school down there. Nice. And um, she's going to go do that. So, you know, I keep teasing her. I'm like, I'll, I'll buy you a food truck at the party. You know, <laughs> let's, let's just. Might make some money there. Yeah, road. let's
1: just do this. So, uh, the HGTC is a great school. I have a friend who's a professor there. So, if you need anything, you let me know.
3: Well, the. Uh, <laughs> I did not go on. I went to the tour of Johnson and Wales you know and they yeah. got I don't know if you've ever seen Johnson and mm-hmm. Wales but I mean they got rooms with you know ovens in it and then you got a, a, a wine tasting class you know and they got a, a full stock bar and everything and Apparently, you know, Jill and Bailey went down to the georgetown George Town Tech, and apparently, they have the same thing. So, wow, okay, yeah. If, if not, maybe a little nicer. So. How'd she
2: get in? Just, just enjoys, just got into it somehow. Enjoyed cooking.
3: She just started cooking at the house all the time. I mean, Bailey's the cook at the Mason House. Wow, and, and she does probably ninety percent of the cooking. And um, I always
1: felt like Bailey was the the point of the, the most common sense, and like she was the person I always enjoyed dealing with. You were you were abrasive. <laughs> Jill, Jill's great. Don't get me wrong, but she's busy. Palmer's just little Tom. <laughs> yeah. Bailey was the person I liked talking to the most. You get uh, a straight answer out of Bailey.
3: Yeah, she. Uh, no, but she she bakes cookies for the people at school all the time, and she's take. She'd I'd come home, and she'd be baking cookies. I'm like, what are you doing those for? She goes, the janitors at school. I'm like, oh, okay, you That's know, awesome. great. You know, so yeah. she's. Bailey's the, the big heart cook that she'll feed anyone. So. That's nice. Well,
2: congratulations on the graduation, Bailey. You did, did <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. So Is anything,
1: uh, anything we left unsaid that you want to talk about, Tom?
3: No, I mean, Biff forgot that I run I helped run the Monday series, too. the Who oh, Need a that's blow. right. I mean, Gosh, Good dog. Lord, Biff, how can you I, forget I, that, I, I too? Know,
2: I know, I know. It's just hard to keep up with all everything you got going on. No, but
3: that's not hard. I get all the interns that help me out, and that that's always fun, too. <laughs> how long have you
2: been doing that, this chapter series, this for us? Three
3: years. I guess this is year three. Okay. Either three or four, yeah. I'm not sure. I think sure. it's four now. Is it four? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> it was about
1: the time I left, and you took it over. So.
3: <laughs> I don't know, but no, it's uh, – but we enjoy doing that too so it's uh, uh that Hootie and the blowfish series is another great way to get kids into golf
2: yeah and i tell you it's been a uh, you know we, we've with our junior golf association with the with the hooting the blowfish the monday chapter series kind of the beginning of competitiveness and then roll into the the new player series we got now which is our corn fairy tour uh to, to get into our majors and then the majors and it's just uh junior junior golf is just blown up here. What,
3: what's going on with junior golf is unbelievable i look at it at the You know, when Palmer was in seventh grade, and he's playing varsity golf for Dutch Fork. And there were probably – and, I mean, you guys could probably back me up in this – maybe, what, 30 kids on the points list at that time Rock. that could crack par in a major tournament? Right. You know, by the time he gets to ninth grade, there's probably another – now you're up to about 50 kids on the points list that can crack par. You know, now all of a sudden, this is seven years later, hell, there's 100 of them. Yeah. Yeah. Every kid on that points list in the top 100 can probably break par in a major tournament. You you look at the scores these kids are putting up in the players series because I'm keeping track of the scores, watching them for college. I mean, the the fort jackson tournament you had a kids under par over yeah. there in the player series i mean it's and only
2: won by a couple shots
3: yeah I mean, it wasn't like, I mean it's i mean these kids are getting good that's yeah. a
1: developmental series you know yeah I mean, it's yeah, yeah developmental <laughs> they'd
3: they be giving us shots out
1: there i mean but you know i
2: think we're starting to see that the the results of what's been going on i mean the junior golf association has been around since 1990. uh you're starting to see that parlay into some some membership Opportunities for oh, yeah. some of the clubs around town in the state. I mean, it's. Well, yeah,
3: uh, I, I mean, I think a, a fantastic example of it is Lexington Country Club. Yeah, Country Club of Lexington. I mean, you got Sam Jackson, Zach Harold. You, you know, you I can start naming a list of young guys that are really good players that are members over there. Jordan sees. Uh, you but, know, you yeah. you can just you can start naming a whole. There's a whole list of them. You go over to Columbia Country Club. There's there's people everywhere that have come up through the junior golf and yeah. and it's where it's where it started and where it's going right now is it's fantastic
2: well i think the cool thing about it again our industry is is so cohesive with what we're trying to do you know the carolinas pga is doing what they're doing to grow golf we're doing we're doing to grow golf uh and and we're all working together we're not battling each other we're not competing against each other we we support you know the the, uh, junior
1: league
2: junior league and and all that so it's uh I think we're starting to really see the results of it. So it's people like you and your peers that have gone out there and, and doing what y'all are doing and the time you put into it. Uh, I don't know how you have time to learn about pumps with everything else you got going on. <laughs> I had an hour free yesterday
3: <laughs> I a, for Don at, at, at Godwin Pumps to help me out. So There you go. Man, Well, Tom,
1: thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. And not abusing me. I know we're, there's some space between us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I'd never abuse you. I know you.
1: It's all love taps.
2: Tom, thank you for everything you do for golf and for us and uh, for just being such a great friend, man. Long awesome. Time. Appreciate thank it. you,
3: boys. Appreciate it.